0: W Y L K Mother Oh yes.
1: Tell your children not to look my way. It is Mother's Day everybody. Tell yep. your and we are celebrating the only way we know how. With some beer. Danzig and beer. Yep. Hey. <laughs> that doesn't say mom, I don't know what does. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, my mother, you know, I came out, that's what was going on, you know. Just some Danzig and some beer all around. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, that's how you celebrate. All right, anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> on to what's actually happening today. Uh, today we have another great brewery on dry lag from Pittsburgh area. We're going to be talking to Dennis Hawk a little bit later on. Uh, really, I don't know, we don't come up and coming... I don't know. If, I don't know how to, I never know how to describe breweries that are like on that cusp and and have a good following. But I don't even know. I don't know how I classify. Yeah, it so I mean, dry, dry lag. Like,
2: they're uh, they're themselves. Yeah,
1: <laughs> dry lag from dry lag is going to be on just yeah. like much like George from George. That's right. <laughs> so we have a full house today. We have uh, math massive beer reviews here. Yeah, Me, George is back. Even though you might not know when he's not here, George from Georging is back. Yeah, George, yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> George from Georging. That's a new thing now. And Billy from Backyard Alehouse is back. Made it. You do know when he's not here. Yeah, Yeah, well, I came sliding in under the tag again. Yeah, hey, slipping past that goalie. And and Joe, the the fill in who's usually here and and does a good job, and he's uh, not filling in today. He's actually just. What are you going to say, Bill? I was going to say just another Mother's Day news. (laughs) 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 No. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, All right. All right, so let's get in a little bit. Before we do anything else, some beer news. Uh, There was an announcement this week. Oscar Blues just signed on a deal with Distribution, so they are now going to be in all 50 states in the United States, so that's a definite big move for them. Uh, It's one of the things that we talked to a lot of breweries on here about, their their interest in getting to that level, and it seems like there's only a handful that really can reach that as far in the craft industry, and then Oscar Blues is definitely one of those ones, so it's not a big surprise. Are there any
3: others that are...
1: In all fifty I w- states, I would think Sam Adams is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe yeah, I would Sam think Adams. Sam Adams. But um, even bigger ones, like I know, like Founders is in California. Yeah, I don't think Lugans like, Lugans like, is, and a lot of a lot of the ones, the main area that a lot of them miss is the whole Midwest area. Yeah. it's 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 just because that's starting to change now because you're starting to see these distribution points set up there to just justify that.
2: Well, that I would imagine has to do with something with a only can line. Do You know what I mean? It has yeah. to, From a transportation and production standpoint, it just has to be
1: easier logistically. Oh, you know. Yeah. All right, so another one. Now, this is one uh, that's going to be divisive, I guess, because this is one of those bands that you love or you love to hate. Uh, Dave Matthews Band has made an announcement. They're doing a collaboration beer with Star Hill Brewery uh, called Warehouse Pills. And if you're a Dave Matthews Band fan, you'll know what that means with the warehouse. What does that mean? That's their fan club. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that I had to read that. Okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Did anyone here know that off the top of their heads? Let's find out. Oh,
1: Billy's kind of ashamed they, to raise yeah, his yeah. hand.
4: <laughs> it's like uh, a mixtape with the violent phlegms. I promise you didn't hear that. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so that one's going to be hitting the shelves, I believe, in July. They're saying June, July time. And uh, another thing that happened this past Friday was the World Beer Cup. Uh, May 6th happened. Uh, SBC, Susquehanna Brewing Company, won gold this year, actually, for their fruit beer, the uh, shady spot. Uh, another one we just had on the show, Night Shift, won bronze in the American IPA category, which is one of the most uh, contentious categories because there's just so many people fighting for that. But they won a bronze for their Santilli. And the other contentious area that a lot of people are fighting for, the, the old Imperial IPA, that this year was won. Do you know who won that one, George? Nope. Fatheads Hop Juju won this year, won gold, and didn't um, uh, Night and All Dawns, I think uh, yeah, Cain, they want to go barrel inch
3: category. Yep. Yeah,
1: which yeah. they won last year too with that. They won a gold mm. in that same thing. Not surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: they there. That's the what is it? The 800 pound gorilla. You yeah, that, that's the one. I they they've it. like hung their hat on completely, but, and it's totally deserved. But one of the cool parts about the, the list this year, if you want to go on it and read it, is that I didn't even know like two thirds of the.
1: Breweries, huh? yeah, oh yeah, there's a lot and of that's new, super yeah. cool. Yeah, that there's, so there's so a many lot of in every there's brewery. a lot of brew pubs it seemed this year. I was when you're reading through it, it's, I it's unless it's just the, the there's a lot that have whatever street and to me that just reads as brew pub. Yeah, I mean maybe it's not, but that there's there was a bunch of what seemed like brew pubs that won this year. And it used to seem, I mean, not that the internet's new, obviously, but it seems like it's a lot what? more access.
2: Yeah, <laughs> believe it or not, there's a thing called the internet. Um, but it's there's a lot more access. For breweries now, especially from bottling and canning yeah. and what not to get the product into the people's hands that they need to get it yeah. to, so it's just a little easier for them to enter, I guess. Oh, say. yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. All right, so a couple of new beers we want to cover. The one, uh, Stone has announced their Farking Wheaton Woot Stout version 4.0 is going to be coming in July. This will be one, if you look up the labeling of, the nerds and geeks community are going to love it. Uh, it's very Star Wars inspired, we'll put it that way. Oh. Completely Star Wars inspired. comes out about two Wait. days before Comic-Con. Wait, isn't that... It's like a time-space
2: paradox. Will Wheaton with the Star Wars theme going on? Going oh, on? Yeah. Yeah.
0: oh,
2: yeah. Oh, didn't even
1: think of that one. Yeah. What, wow. what, will Wheaton I guess do? we know who the nerd in the room is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Avery yeah, has know. announced their El Goza's and to be coming to cans, and Terrapin also announced that their Watermelon Goza's coming to cans, so two very summery beers coming out just in time as we start finally getting into warm weather, hopefully.
2: If you go outside, because it's nice out today, it's actually yeah. probably the first nice day we've had in almost two weeks. If you go go outside and like if you're in a country and stuff like that and you really close your eyes and you listen, there's somewhere off in the distance you can hear some kind of brewer screaming the year of the Goza. You know what I mean? Because it seems like a Goza is coming out every three and a half seconds.
1: There's got to be some type of pun as you say it though.
2: Yeah.
3: Well, I, I saw something from, I think it was uh Fegley's and it was a mango beer that they're they coming out with and the name was uh, It Takes Two to Mango. Yep. And wow. I texted you but you didn't respond <laughs> yeah. to it. Yeah, <laughs> is sure that going like to be the new pun yeah. for the summer or yeah. our mango beer is going to be like the Goza pun? <sighs> yeah, and then,
2: well that's the thing too. It's like um it's the it's the fruited Goza is a big thing. It was like kind of like okay we did a couple Gozas then they had to the, I think we talked about it last week with the um, Blood Orange Goza coming out and then now everybody's yep. just throwing
1: fruit everywhere. Yep, that's kind of the new uh, big thing. So, all right well, let's get into their first beer we have from Dry Lag. This is their uh, Belgian dark ale is guess what it's technically called, but uh, Brett added into it, though. It's 7.4%. So we're not starting out light. No. <laughs> I guess we'll put it that way. I don't know. If there is Is there a light in these? Yeah, they're actually no.
2: I don't think any of them are overtly Oh, yeah, the next heavy, act, yeah. But at the same time, they're not overtly light either. They're kind of in the middle. It's atypical for wild ales. Wild ales typically don't get. I think it has to. I mean, Dennis would be able to speak to it better, but. It's hard to wrangle in the yeast at a higher, get it to work for you at higher ABVs, wild yeast, isn't it, Joe? Would you know?
3: Um, Yeah, I think for something like this, I I would expect, just from what I could see, uh, one is like the gravity is like 1054, so that's pretty low. Who's one. the nerd in the room now? I know. <laughs> oh, that's why you Is asked the question. Sandbagging them. <laughs> well, you kind of ask them until the brewer of this beer comes on. kind of yeah. ask the brewer in the room. Um, but, yeah, I, I would kind of see a, like a Wild Ale. Granted, in, in America, we kind of like imperialize everything for no yeah. particular reason, <laughs> yeah. you know. So to me, like a typical Wild Ale would Probably be under yeah five six. to eight like to me it's
2: five to eight is kind of a wheelhouse yeah. for that but it's yeah. a I mean it's a fun beer because you rarely get that kind of like nice rich kind of maltiness yeah. combined with the brett so you get that little bit of drying in the back end it, it's really nice it's
1: definitely really like that that it, it even says on the bottle like a porter esque like roast out of these malts and it's it's very much is in that and it's really interesting to have that play with the the, the Belgian flavors that like subtle roastiness and then you have that brett with a little bit of cherry coming through with everything it, and it's it's this really nice combination of of a uh, dark Belgian and like a lambic, but not too much into either one. Not too sour, but it has those really nice roast characteristics. But still has that flavor coming through. Well, it has a it has
3: like a perfect amount of tartness mm-hmm. for me. You know, like yeah. I, I like sour beers, but this is something. It was kind of very similar with uh, last time that I was on with uh, Logsdon. The yeah. uh, the tartness for me was was spot on and this is getting the same effect. And I think a lot of people do um,
2: not get confused but kind of mix up sours and wild ales. It, it, sours and they're two totally. markedly different styles of beer so when you're dealing with them like a Even wild Like ale, sours and brett beers. Yeah, you're dealing yeah. with a funkiness that there is a tartness there but there's not that acidity
1: yeah. that'll kind of just, you know, make yeah. you kind of be like, "Uh-oh." That's a, it seems like the the roast quality of the malt kind of takes away that acidic bite you would get from it if it wasn't there. Like it, it would have that kind of creak flavor coming through too much like from those cherries but it the the roast really keeps everything in check and it almost kind of comes across as like a, a sessionable sour beer. Yeah, yeah, kind of the, the best way of saying yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's it's what it is is it's weird. <laughs> and
2: that is a quintessential dry like.
3: Yeah, it's it's weird.
2: <laughs> Cuz Dennis is, is uh the
1: man with the weirdest yeasties. He likes to call them critters but um and the biz. I mean, it's for for what it is. Like, it doesn't drink like at seven point four either. It, no. it has it has like a much. And I don't want to say thinner. Like, isn't a bad way, but just the the mouth feel of it isn't as beefed up. And it's kind of one of those sneaky beers that will kind of get to you a little yeah. bit. Yeah, danger beers. Yeah, yeah. Roofies in a glass. I like to call them. <laughs> Uh, so what do you think, Billy?
2: Is this the first time you're having any dry lag?
4: This is the first time I've, I've no. had dry lag. It's it's actually really good. And, it, you know, you guys touched upon something just a minute ago that kind of made me remind me. But, it, it, you know, when I think about it, it, it would be really great to have a scale in, in terms of like a sourness scale the way we have like maybe an IBU scale yeah. or mm-hmm. an ABV scale. Like, I don't know if there's anything out there, but like... a a gradient, so people could know where oh, yeah, <laughs> where yeah, it's at. Yeah. Like you think of the challenge beers, like Cascade puts out. And then maybe something like we had with uh, Logston a few weeks ago. Yeah, you know? I don't know if it would work. A lot of
2: times when you're dealing with uh, beers with the IBUs, it's not necessarily perceived
4: perceived bitterness. Yeah, it's perceived yeah. bitterness.
2: And yeah. who was really talking to that point? I think it was one of those Oregon breweries that we had. I oh was, yeah, he he was like he going was like off about oh, with four yeah, IBUs George, on yeah, a Yeah, with four George, yeah. Because it's really you know you can have I've had beers that are over 100 IBU that you can't. Tops at all, yeah. and then I've had ones that have like yeah. twenty in their hot bombs. Almost, you I know? think
1: one of the other things that'd be tough with the souring mean, to me I, that would be a great idea because there are some like you, you say I'm wild ale. and That is such a huge spectrum of, of flavors. But I think one of the issues with it is because of it being you know bacteria, it, it, how that ages out and the flavor just completely changes. changes yeah, so it's like you, you, you might have bottled it at this like off the charts flavor of, of sourness. Two years later, two years later, there's like nothing left in yeah. it. Yeah. Or it just has become or, something or, or totally different. Or the different. opposite. It's, yeah. There's yeah.
3: no sourness when you bottle it, and then two years later, it's acid.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know? and that, that's, I think, one of the probably the tougher things of, of being able to, to categorize. But, I mean, I think there's something that should be there because you have that. And just like an IPA, you have this wide variant of what's actually... In that one style of of that bitterness quality, versus now you have in the sour, which I think is even to me, I think it's even a wider spectrum because you have so much more that that's considered a wild ale because of the the what could be considered within that with the ingredient wise. There's so much more, whereas an IPA, it's just you know you're getting a bunch of hops. A wild ale, it could be subtly tart or just like mouth puckering, like you're sucking yeah. on the old warheads. Remember those? Yeah, oh, <laughs> warheads. <laughs> Those are those things that were fun when you were a kid, and then you get old and you're like, why? There's nothing enjoyable about that at all. No, not at all. It's just, why do we eat those? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's, that's the thing. And it's
2: one of the reasons why I think a lot of times when you're dealing with sour beers that people like, like them so much. There's an inherent
3: love for tart stuff and sour stuff when that's, you're a baby. That's, you know that's my mean? friend Chris. I yeah. turned him on to, to sour beers, and he loves them because he loves sour candy.
1: No, there, there's right. a lot within that. There's a, a huge spectrum, but I don't—what happened to—what
3: was that, George? I, I have no idea. <laughs> no, I thought he was going on a little bit more with
1: it. I thought George got shocked George is having hot flashes. It happens. <laughs> yeah. All right, so what we're going to do now is we're going to take a break, and then when we come back from the break, we are going to be joined by Dennis Hawk on the phone and really dive deep into all things dry legs. So stay tuned here on The Beer Geeks, W-Y-L-K.
0: I really thought you were- Remember when picking just the right gift for mom included your siblings and dad's special guidance? Let's get back there.
5: Moms are such an important part of our lives. Hi, this is Quirky from Quirky's Garden Path Greenhouse. Show mom how important she is by personalizing the right gift from Quirky's Garden Path Greenhouse. Our greenhouses are overflowing with beautiful hanging baskets in every vibrant color imaginable, as well as potted plants and one-of-a-kind flower and herb baskets. Looking for something a little more lasting? A flowering tree or shrub is a gift that will be enjoyed for years to come. Our gift shop is full of unique clothing, jewelry, beauty items, and unusual home decor. These are just a few of the new items you will find for mom. Better yet, purchase a Corky's gift card and let her choose. Corky's Garden Path Greenhouse, helping you personalize the perfect gift for mom this Mother's Day.
0: Corky's Garden Path Greenhouse, Justice Boulevard, Scott Township, where great gardens begin. Open today, Mother's Day until 5, or visit Corky'sGardenPath.com.
6: Join Offset Paperback in Dallas for their online job fair now through May 29th. Offset Paperback is the printer of choice in the mass market book industry. And they're seeking a regional sales representative, production assistants, industrial electronic technicians, press operators, along with hiring college students for full-time summer positions. Offset Paperback offers a generous benefits program and competitive wage and salary programs. Plus, education and training programs for employees to improve their skills and income. Learn more at entercomcareerfair.com.
0: Today, how to incorporate your business in just 10 minutes so you won't lose everything if you get sued. Step one, stop putting it off. If you're not incorporated and someone sues your business tomorrow, it's not just your business at risk. You can lose everything, your home, your car, even your life savings. Step two, call the following number for a free 10-minute incorporation guide from Incorporate.com. 1-800-973-4886. They don't provide legal or financial advice. They just make incorporating quick and easy. So you can incorporate or form an LLC in just 10 minutes. That number again is 1-800-973-4886. Step three, congratulate yourself. By taking just 10 minutes to incorporate your business or form an LLC, you protected your home, your car, and your life savings. And that is how you incorporate your business in just 10 minutes. But hurry while they're still giving away these 10-minute incorporation guides for free. Call 1-800-973-4886. That's 1-800-973-4886.
3: At Bricks and Stones in Oliphant and Forty Fort, you'll find an impressive selection of bricks, natural stone, manufactured stone, Belgian block, limestone treads, veneer stone, as well as pavers, materials for retaining walls, and outdoor living products like fire pits, fireplaces, as well as all your masonry supplies. So, whether you're a builder, mason, landscaper, or homeowner, visit the Forty Fort or Oliphant locations and talk to the knowledgeable staff at Bricks and Stones about your project. Bricks and Stones, the largest distributor of bricks and stone in the region. Visit BricksAndStones.com.
1: Never ends. Never ends. (laughs) Billy's getting into it. Well,
4: I think this song, like, as soon as you hear it, you have to give the obligatory horns. <laughs> you know, like,
1: yeah. <laughs> Hope people aren't looking for variety on... Uh, oh, no, on not today. Mo- not, not on Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we have on the phone this now, we are joined by Dennis Hawk, owner of Dry Lag Brewery. So we're going to be talking... Dennis, how you doing today, bud? Hey, not too bad. How are you? Oh, we're doing great. Yeah, man. What's going on, brother? How's... Uh, how's not, p- not... Same
7: old, same old, man. How about you? Good. You down in Pittsburgh or are you on the road? No, I'm out uh, here in good old Pittsburgh.
2: I thought you might be in Philly finagling with all those other finaglers.
7: <laughs> I was, but we came back uh, Thursday. We came back Thursday.
2: Nice man. So uh, yeah. So tell everybody if uh, for those who don't know who are dry Lag? or dry leg oh. I, I always screw that one up. Sorry. <laughs>
7: That's all right. <laughs> um, Drylog Brain Company. We started Drylog uh, back in 2009. We did our first commercial back in. 2011, or commercial batch in 2011, and uh, we fare on the side of wild, funky, and anything we could find uh, from the local environment, from organism side, the things, and we push for uh, complexity through fermentation. That's what we believe in, that's what we do, so we really push the boundaries of what these organisms can do, and uh, we'd like to find them outside in in our local area, so we do a lot of spontaneous fermentation. And uh, we do a lot of barrel aging. So um, if you're into the wild and sour and funky side of things, then you'll be, you'll fit in really well with what we do.
2: Well, then where did the love for that come about? Like, where's the history? What's the history with the, with the wild critters that you love so much?
7: Well, um, honestly, I'd have to say that uh, it was an inspiration during my time overseas um, to see, you know, these little village breweries all throughout Europe, and they have their own terroir, so to speak. And that terroir is generated by what they have available to them right there at that environmental area or that location. And typically, they have their own house yeast, and that house yeast would basically live in the brewery. And you'd find these little village pubs and breweries all throughout Europe where... You're tasting things that you can never find anywhere else in the world commercially because that's not what they're into. They're into the artisanal side of what it is. And that started kind of getting my wheels turning that, uh, you know, we could find things just in our local environment here. So the terroir here in Pittsburgh is going to be completely different from Philadelphia, completely different from State College, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, that's where the drive of this has come from. And, you know, I've been brewing now for quite some time. I think we're cresting up on 18 years now. So I started when I was 17. I'm 34 now. And...
1: It's just, it's it's always amazing to see what they can
2: do. I think you mean you started when you were 21, right, Dennis? <laughs> no. I, to I don't lie. I don't lie. That,
1: I, I can, can
6: attest, attest to that. Yeah, I, I can attest to uh, that. does not
2: lie. Um, so you, you come back um, and you start brewing and you get into the wild stuff. Why Pittsburgh? Was that always your home or is it just the, is there a reason why you're there? And how, how is that working for you in the city itself?
7: Well, okay. So, I'm originally from Millville, which is a small little town right outside of the city limits of Pittsburgh. So I love Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's an awesome city, great people. Everything's, you know, great here. And when I wanted to come back here, it's amazing. It took me a while to get back. But once I got back here, it's just like home all over again. Um, Inside Pittsburgh, though, it's been a bit of a push uh, because people really – aren't still understanding yet what wild and sour and funky beers bring to the table. So, it's been a little difficult, but <clears throat> that being said, they're coming around slowly but surely.
2: So, you, it's got to be a bit, I guess you'd say, for, I don't want to say frustrating or perplexing in that you, you're in a town where it can be a little bit of a struggle to get people on board, even though they are coming around, but at the same time, you just signed a distribution deal with Shelton Brothers. So, obviously, you're you know people dig your beers, so it's got to be a little bit of a bizarre feeling to be at home, this quote unquote, play to a small crowd, but at the same time yeah. have people outside of the area clamoring for your beers.
7: Yeah, it was very. It's still very difficult to swallow at this point, and um, you know, it's 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 very frustrating to me that it's easier to get dry log beer in Southern California easier than it is to get it in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's. <clears throat> don't get me wrong. I mean. Again, there's more retailers that are now willing to open up their doors to us than they were in the past. And uh, like I said, it is slowly but surely coming around, but you know, they're not understanding that, you know, uh, for instance, uh, the apples and pears for that, to get that kind of funk in a beer using Britannum icy strains is not an easy thing to do. Mm. So, you know, I guess the... the the standard drinker might look at it and go oh well that's going to be a really sweet fruity beer because it says apples and pears on it in reality it's a funk bomb and um you know the people that like wild beer they accept it they're like holy cow i can't even! i can't it's so difficult to make britannomyces even do that so from a scientific perspective to a wild beer perspective you know the people on that side love it and it's just unfortunate that there's such a small number here in pittsburgh but like i said it's coming around it's coming
1: around dennis as you got like into this and kind of got inspired what what was your background prior to that because getting into sour beers is not something uh the average home brewer or something can kind of just grab onto. Mm -hmm. did you go back for schooling for that or was it just you started to learn to talk to other brewers no i'm actually a science twerk man Uh. and i
7: did go to school um so obviously i went back to school um I was accepted into a local honors program here in, uh, at IUP for the College of Science and Mathematics. So I went through that, and believe it or not, I was supposed to end up in herpetology. And um, I left herpetology to ultimately just go into what I love to do, and that's make beer. And, um, you know, I did a little bit of research in that area, and then what I started to find was is that I love this so much, and i I get it. I don't know. To a certain extent, I get it. I mean, I've developed now a new method for collecting wild yeast. We've got we've done the hypothesis on it. We've done the experimentation on it. Obviously, I haven't published on it. A lot of people are telling me I should publish on it. Um, but again, I'm really not concerned about white papers anymore. Now that I'm out of the research academia side of things, I'm just gonna stay and just do my thing over here. And uh, but yeah, I am a science dork. It's
1: it's that nerd brain we always talk about. When you grab that nerd brain and it grabs onto something, it does not let go and that's No. It really
7: I mean, honestly, sometimes in the middle of the night I wake up and I write things down <laughs> and then I'll talk to Tony the next day. Tony Zamborini, he's uh my head brewer and now part owner of Drylog Brewing Company and uh, I'll call calling the next day, i was be like, Man, I woke up in the middle of the night, he's like, Hold on if I get a pen and paper. I got to write this down. <laughs> <laughs> they don't always work out, but uh, there's some weird stuff that happens.
2: And now, one of the cool, uh, uh, one of the many cool things that I like about your brewery because I've been a fan for a while. You know, we've Thanks. we've chatted, and uh, oh yeah. is it, you really take the whole DIY thing and apply it to every aspect of your brewery, man? Like <laughs> you talk from from homemade cool ships to kettles to the whole nine. Like, is that just is that just uh, again part of your brain that you just can't shit off to where you know you could put, you can go out and technically buy something but you know you can make it and make it if not as good better
7: than what you could buy is it just part of that you just can't turn it off switch kind of um i love problem solving right and addition i of about matt you know where that came from it was I, I was this is the biggest like just kick in my butt i could ever imagine i was on the border of wales in the uk and i went into this little village pub oh, excuse me and they have this story on the website, but to hear it is just just—it's even better because I tasted some of the best pulled English drafts in my life. And for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the place, but that being said, it's the fact that this guy was heating a mash tun with wood. And he's heating it, and I'm like, how in the world are you doing this? And I looked at him, and I just said, how are you making beer like this on that? And the guy was kind of, it looked like he was almost offended, <laughs> He turned around and he said to me, he goes, you don't need new equipment to make great beer. You just need to know how to make great beer. And and that was almost like a revelation in my head that he's right. If you think about every home brewer that's out there, they always find a way. So why couldn't you implicate that into a commercial setting to not only, A, from a business perspective, save yourself money, but then, B, on the other side of things, guess what it's not rocket science it's not quantum physics you put heat underneath the kettle boom it happens and then additionally on top of that fermentation side of things when you're in a wild brewery you have to take into more of account of the airborne microflora than you would in a normal brewery because you think things can get bad in a clean brewery try in a wild brewery things can get (laughs) real bad real fast
2: real bad or, or real fun (laughs)
7: <laughs> well, that's the other good sign. It, it, it's a fifty-fifty shot there.
2: <laughs> well, uh, well uh, let's uh, let's speak more to that ingenuity. And we just uh, we're we're drinking some relic right now. Uh, it's nice. uh, it's, your, um, it's one of your uh, one of your beers. Give us the story behind this because this is one of the better stories I've ever heard in in brewing okay. history.
7: Here, so a friend of mine um, called us and said, "Hey, listen, I got this really old cabinet, knowing that dry log." is, um, you know, it's an, it's an old style brewery, so to speak. Um, he said, Hey, listen, do you think you'd want this cabinet? I said, sure. Yeah. Not a problem. Drops this thing off. So I'm looking at, I get home and I'm looking at this thing and I'm going, this thing, I don't even know if I should have this because it looks like it crawled out of a museum. So I called, um, an antique dealer and he showed up and he's like, listen, I can guarantee you, I know where this came from and, and we're talking back and forth, and so he said, just to make sure, call some other antique people in the area, take some pictures, send it around. Everybody came back with the same response. Early 1600s, like 1630s, 1640s type range, and every one of them said it looks, the way that it was carved, etc. looks like it probably came out of a monastery or some type of debutante's um, collection, but more than likely a monastery. And I said, do you have any idea where it would have come from? And they said, well, by the look of it, by the style of it, we're guessing northern France or somewhere in the French region. Okay, fair enough. And every (laughs) one of them came back the same way. So a couple days go past, and I called one of the guys back, and I said, listen, i got a question for you. He said, I'm touching the outside of this thing that feels waxy. And he said, yeah. He said, "Uh, back in the day, back in those days, they didn't have a way to preserve wood, so a customary thing to do was to rub paraffin wax on it and all of a sudden the light bulb shot off in my head and I went, huh, that's interesting well, wax is hydrophobic organisms, you know they're, they're everywhere in the air so my thought process was what are the chances that some at some point in time airborne microflora was floating around And some monk or some person rubbed the paraffin wax on there. And because it's hydrophobic, it would have encapsulated the eukaryotic cell inside the wood. If that's the case, and it's still viable, I'm wondering if we can make a beer with that.
4: Of course. Of course, because
7: that's what everybody thinks. That's that's
4: probably the first thing people would think.
7: Yeah. So we did a couple of experiments where we did some spontaneous fermentation inside the cabinet. Because typically, if you find a high-population strain that might be either embedded into the wood or whatever... Chances are you're going to find it through just spontaneous fermentation. You're going to find, because one population of an organism, specifically, even if it's yeast, because yeast have different strains, if they have a higher population than another, they will outcompete the other. Okay? So we started seeing a lot of precursors in there that's saying, hey, I think we got something wild in here. So I called a bunch of people, man. We called some people from the Carnegie Museum, New York History Museum of Art, because I don't know anything about art restoration and furniture restoration. We called a couple professionals in those fields, and then we called a couple dendrologists. We called an organic chemist, some other people, a geneticist, and we talked to everybody. And then we had to design an experiment to get it out of there. We designed the experiment. We did the experiment. We extracted the strain. It was nothing like any of the controls. And then we fermented it. And it came out, and that's where Relic came from.
2: I feel like you just told... The story of like Jurassic Park, but if it was beer,
7: Everybody said that.
2: It's totally like Jurassic. It's, it's yeah. It's we were drinking uh, um, some kind of weird dinosaur now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, so yeah, uh, you 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 know, it, it, obviously you like to mess around with uh, different yeasts and different beers and stuff like that. Um, you've made this from a cabinet. You've made beer from ice cream. Uh, yeah. And uh, you've done other crazy stuff. What else do you have? And what were you going to say, Derek?
1: Dennis, do you have, when you were doing that and you're going, did you have any idea of where that flavor profile could possibly go pulling that out of there?
7: No, I had no idea. And that's (laughs) the best part is it's really a crapshoot. And the best part about it is Tony and I have talked about it and we've only used, to get that strain, we used an area or a test size area of two inches by two inches. That cabinet's six feet tall, four feet wide. So... Just from over the years, there could be multitudes of organisms that we've never even seen before yeah. that are still encapsulated in there. So we're going to go to work at that thing, we're trying <laughs> not to ruin it, of
8: course.
2: Nice. Um, yeah. so yeah. Speak to um, speak to some other bears you have coming down to shoot too, as far as like your uh, newer stuff coming out via dry, like or older stuff that you're redoing. Like I originally came down there for the plague. Are you? Are you? Uh, do you like to redo beers like that or you kind of keep your core line and
7: then come up with interesting one-off stuff like No, I mean I'd love to do more quote unquote one-offs, but my thing is is that if it comes out that good, why not do it again? You know, it it's not it shouldn't be a marketing ploy, and that's what I really hate sometimes is that breweries will do one beer and then that's it and then it's never going to be made again. That's great for vintages and collections and people trading beer. But if it came out that great, why not share it with the world? Yeah. So, um, you know, like we'll have, we're doing a plague again this year. And, you know, that's the variation. The variation is in the vintage. It shouldn't be done, you know, like that. But we recently, um, this took a while. It's a very interesting beer. <clears throat> um, it's going to be coming out not real soon, but soon enough. Um, we made a beer with Penicillium rocheforti, And if you don't know what that is, that's blue cheese mold. And that was a very difficult thing to do because it doesn't actually want to go through fermentation, and I don't even think it can go through fermentation. That being said, Yeah, we had had to figure out a way to really kind of force it to do what it does. So what we did was is that um, we created this beer where we took the, the spores and we grew them up from nothing more than obviously the culture and uh, surprisingly, it did give the beer a blue cheese essence. And what I mean by that is is that it's lightly in the aromatics. So how we followed that up is, is then we added peaches, let it ferment on peaches, and then um, it has a really nice, crisp, sour taste to it, but it still has the peach aspect to it. But in the aromatics, it's these light tones of actually blue cheese in like a mildewy mold, not offensive. I've even had people that have actually, I've had people that hate blue cheese, but they like that beer. And we had a study how to make blue cheese for about two months before we could actually make the beer. Cause then we had to mimic the same interior conditions as the blue cheese. And it's interesting when they make blue cheese, they actually do this process called needling. So they make a regular cheese wheel. It's not infected with the mold or anything. And then what they'll do is they'll take these stainless steel needles, dip it into the mold and then needle it into the cheese wheel. And because that, that environment is called microaerophilic, and what that is, is that's a little bit of oxygen and a little bit of, it's basically an aerobic slash anaerobic environment, a little bit of oxygen. So that microaerophilic environment creates actually the veins that come through the blue cheese. So we had to do the same thing inside the fermentation vessel, which took Tony and I quite a bit of time to figure out. But that's a really interesting beer. And I haven't had one person yet tell me, you know, hey, that's crazy that you guys can do
1: that, Dennis. I got, I gotta tell you, man, I, we gotta wrap it up. I, I feel like I just sat through one of the best science classes in my life
7: because
1: <laughs> there was just so much scientific terms getting kicked around, and I didn't feel like sorry. What? No, no, no. I loved it. It was great. I didn't feel confused, which is speaking a lot to you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Hey, did you guys try that elderberry
2: fig? We're getting, we're seeing that for the end, man. So I'll okay. definitely let you know what we think about it, or if you just want to. Keep listening. You can totally, you know, fit, no, you, that's you'll find cool. out eventually, baby.
1: <laughs> no, I hear you, dude. I oh. hear you. Okay, man. <laughs> well, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend, brother. No,
7: you too. I'll talk to you guys later. Awesome. I'll thanks, you, Dennis. Bye-bye.
1: So that was a lot. And the best way possible, like the one most interesting stuff ever. Dennis with, from Drylab, yeah, that was super interesting, <laughs> guy. Yeah, it's gonna—it's gonna be one of those things. Like your your our brain just got a bunch of those wrinkles formed in it from learning so many <laughs> <Yeah>. things. <laughs> All right, so right now we're gonna take a break, and we're back, and we have a bunch of more great beers to dive into. So stay tuned here on the Beer Geeks Wylk
5: your kitchen is the essence of your home the center of your family life so why compromise with Mariotti you won't have to visit their showroom for a taste of over 30 kitchen displays showcasing their uncompromising range of styles, textures and materials their seasoned professionals can help you begin designing your kitchen without compromise today a Mariotti kitchen with Mariotti quality and Mariotti design with a sense of value that's right on the money visit MariottiBP.com or their showroom in Old Forge today Every day, millions of seniors struggle with cancer, arthritis, and other rare diseases. They rely on Medicare Part B for access to their doctor and life-saving medicines. Shockingly, the Obama administration has proposed a misguided experiment to Medicare, and it could be devastating. Government bureaucrats could manipulate your course of treatment. Access to new breakthrough treatments may be restricted. Local clinics could be forced to close, requiring some patients to travel significant distance and forcing others into hospitals for their care. Over 300 patient and provider groups have called on Congress to stop this experiment, and Congress needs to listen. Senator Bob Casey has always protected Pennsylvania seniors. Call Senator Casey at 202-224-6324 or go to StopCMSCuts.com. Urge him to stand up for Pennsylvania seniors and stop the Medicare Part B experiment. Paid for by the Community Oncology Alliance. Premium Midwest Beef is
8: rolling their truck into the Wyoming Valley Mall parking lot. Right now is your chance to buy 20 ribeye steaks for 25 bucks. Yeah, you heard right. 20 ribeye steaks for just 25 bucks. Stock up your freezer for the entire season. Tell your friends, family, and coworkers, 20 ribeye steaks for 25 bucks. And that's not all. There are incredible bulk deals on other premium steak, seafood, gourmet boneless chicken, and mouth-watering pork, as well as Jim Beam baby back ribs. Just look for their big truck and the big tent in the Wyoming Valley Mall parking lot. Compare these deals to Omaha Steaks. Nobody in the Wyoming Valley can compete with their prices. Nobody. Don't miss your chance to fill your grill with premium mid Midwest beef in the Wyoming Valley mall parking lot open from 10 a.m. until the truck is empty Buy 20 ribeye steaks for 25 bucks or other incredible bulk deals on premium steak seafood chicken or pork and now Jim Beam baby back ribs. It's the premium Midwest beef truck sale daily from 10 a.m. until the truck is empty only in the Wyoming Valley mall parking lot.
6: Imagine your life five years from now. Are you on the path you want to be on? It's time to take control of your future by getting a world-class education from one of the nation's top universities. Arizona State University is now offering over 100 top-tier degree programs 100% online. It's the exact same degree our on-campus students receive, but you can learn from anywhere in the country on your own schedule. For information, call 1-800-400-0890. Learn from ASU's world-renowned faculty and use ASU's global recognition to improve your visibility, professional network, and gain real-world experience you can start using today. The Wall Street Journal ranked ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates. Now discover how ASU Online can stand out on your resume and help separate you from the competition. We are ready to help you learn to thrive in your life, in your career, and beyond. To learn more about ASU Online degrees, call 1-800-400-0890. That's 1-800-400-0890.
8: Get the family together for some fun and learn about bike safety at the Lackawanna County Commissioner's Bike Safety Fair Saturday, May 14th from 10 to noon at PNC Field in Music. There will be free bicycle helmets and fittings, fingerprinting, free hot dogs, bicycle safety lessons and checkups. There will also be a helmet competition. Design the winning helmet and win a bike. Submit your entries by Wednesday, May 11th to the Lackawanna County Commissioner's Office, 200 Adams Avenue, Scranton. For your form, visit LackawannaCounty.org
0: tell children not to I told
1: you it was never ending. <laughs> it just gets better and better. <laughs> Especially as we drink more, it gets even better and better. <laughs> All right. So we're back. We have some more great beers. Uh, and that was one of the better interviews with just so much information covered. That would have been a three-hour sit-down. We probably yeah. wouldn't even touch on anything brewery-related. We could have just gotten into brewing for about three hours. I've heard you, Matt, I've heard you
3: talk about... Dennis a couple yeah. of times now, and this is the first time that I've ever, like, heard him speak about his brewery, and that was amazing. Yeah, like, um, when I went down there for the release, like, I touched base with him, um, I had a couple of beers,
2: reviewed him, and actually, he contacted me, he's like, thank you very much for reviewing beers, of really cool view." and I was like, hey, man, thanks for making awesome yeah. beers, do you know what I mean? And he was like, you should definitely come down and hang out, one time, and they were having a, uh, it was a wine barrel-aged, uh, 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 wild stout um, called the plague, and, and me and George and and my brother in law went down for it, and I had a great time. And he's um, just an awesome dude. I ended up doing like almost like a, what an hour and a half interview with him, and more. I posted it online. So it's like it's just he's just can talk, and it's that kind of like some people talk. Some people get some long people talk winded at, and at you, yeah, and then some people talk that is they're not. You're pulled into what they're yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 and they just have kind of like a charisma to it, to where yeah. your, you're you're genuinely, genuinely your engaged in what yeah. they're yeah. saying. Yeah, that's what I mean. It was yeah. like
1: there was so much science going on, but you you were you weren't you weren't like oh god, this guy knows so much, and you kind of get intimidated and. You just I'm I'm disengaging from. You were pulled in the whole time, with everything It didn't no matter what terms he's dropping around. I didn't even know what he was talking about with some of them, but I didn't. Did, my brain didn't go. Don't know. It was just like I'm <laughs> in. Like, I didn't I didn't pull out at all. I just kept kind of going with that one. But uh, all right, so we have another one because we have three more. We got to work through in a short period of time. So right now in our, in our glass we have R two cool ship. Uh, another wild, ale. Yeah, this is 4.2%, I believe. Uh, it's just like a really nice, like this is another one, very subtle, very well-balanced, uh, sour f- flavor coming through, but there, there's not, and it's just really interesting what we were saying, like as, as you're drinking this, the, the flavors kind of come in rows across your palate. Like you get a little bit of fruitiness up front, and then we all kind of were talking, you get this like kind of subtle nutty kind of flavor coming through from the back end, and there's just this really subtle underlying tartness kind of coming through, but it, it's nowhere near like overpowered it's just that I'm right- also picking up a little, like,
3: in the same kind of nutty- nuttiness in the back end, I'm kind of getting a little spicy quality as well to it. Like, I don't know. I think it's probably just... <laughs> I could say I think it's yeast character, but I'm pretty sure it's yeast character. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that was kind of yeah. stupid. Yeah, I mean,
2: <laughs> it's just uh, the, the approachability all, of all the beers, but at the same time being super flavorful in a funky way. Yes. I don't think this would be super offensive to anybody, even people not into the styles. And talk about if you ever wanted to actually, like, For people don't know how to pair beer and food. Just get a bunch of dry leg beers and then food. Because then again it's gonna pair pretty much with anything you eat in a in a perfect way. It's that perfect world of Belgians.
1: And these these are this is a great lineup too with their beers because you have this awesome story going with everything, especially if you sat down and had a bottle of relic with someone. Like just the the endless fascination of you started discussing that story of how he put that together all the other things that go with that just the, the discussions and it, it, that's a really cool thing as it goes beyond just being a good beer it comes like a good story yeah. and that's the really cool thing with that and he can definitely speak to that which is awesome so I mean go out there and visit and just ask for him I'm sure he will come out and talk to you and you will love every second of it
2: <laughs> they, they expanded their brewery they actually moved the brewery out of their tap room now it's just like the tap rooms just for uh, the beer because okay. they, they had expanded I mean when me and George went down there like uh, I mean obviously this isn't great radio but the brewery was probably about Twice the size of the, inside of the studio. Oh, that's okay. how small it was. It was so tall. Like, there was like uh, like um, drapes. So we're
1: talking, so they've like a 10 by 10 is where we're at yeah, now. Sub, yeah, double like, sub, yeah, yeah.
2: Very small. And it, it's like, we w- like went to walk in the back, and he's like, oh, here's the brewery. And we walked in, and it was you step two steps, and you're done. You're just Everything was there, and you couldn't <laughs> yeah. move. And you're like, okay, there you go. <laughs> and it was just like to see that and then know the kind of beers that were coming out of there is what kind of blew me away.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that's so impressive when you see some of these smaller breweries, but the, the gumption that they have to do these crazy things. And the, the variety, like to have the, the amount of beers that they do coming out of a small room really speaks a lot to like knowing what you're doing with your equipment, which is mm-hmm. a huge part of it. I think people kind of overlook and they just think, oh, you make great beers. Like, no, but there's a lot behind the scenes that you got to lay out and know what you're working with to get these coming out consistently and have the right things going on within a small space. Yeah, I mean, as he spoke
2: to it, like it's like making beer. You have to know how to make good beer. Good, like you know, a race car driver isn't good. If he has a great car, he can drive better. But if he's not a great driver, he's not going to be able to, you know, yeah. what I mean drive really well. So it's that thing where you just you have all the equipment in the world if you don't know what you're doing. But at the same time, the ingenuity behind it, like like we just. We're cracking into the. Uh, how did you want to say? Uh, this I, right?
1: I, my my guess, and I never took in uh, taken French in my life is uh, La Piantor. La Piantor. That sounds and, nice. And, uh, but um,
2: the one we had before this, the coal ship. Like he built his own coal ship out of dairy tanks. Like, uh, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he went and just like created his own instead of going out and buying them. And just the the drive to do that in itself. That's one, it's one of the many reasons why I am a dry leg Homer.
1: Yeah, it, <laughs> there, there's that's so really much nice way of putting it. There's so much to. That, that speaks to uh, the passion that he has, and that, that does come through with the beer. I mean, you, you talk to him, and you can tell, obviously, but not everybody gets to really talk to the brewer all the time, but it shows in these beers. Well, that's that's how
4: the, the science gets glossed over. Yeah you know it's, it's his passion so we could talk science but you're mm-hmm. all
1: all all we are hearing his passion for and yeah. love for beer yeah exactly and that's the whole thing with it is like you have all the knowledge in the world and everything and that's great but if you don't have a passion for what you're doing it's going to kind of come through and it's going to be run of the mill okay I'm doing this again I'm doing like even the fact that he's just very much like no I, I like just kind of doing things like whatever i feel like doing if i want to repeat this one cuz i think it's good or if i want to do a one off i do a one off it doesn't matter it's just this if it if i like it and it's really good i want to do it again it could just it's all built on passion everything that he's doing along the way this is weird in a, such a fun <laughs> way and
2: when i say weird i mean in a good way i've never had this one from by by him before it's yeah. probably one of the more sour beers i've had from him but i'm getting this really cool kind of like cherry coke vibe
1: to yeah, it. Yeah, that's a, there's this weird <laughs> flavor right up front that you can't you can't even like figure out what it is that is like a cherry coke vibe. Yeah. I just took a sip of it. Yeah. It's really interesting and there's a, this like subtle tartness on the back end from it but it it's it's again like it just really nicely balanced with everything. Like it's super easy drinking. That's the best thing about we're, it. We're waiting for the judgment from Ms. Derek. Yeah, off, 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 yeah my off. my wife joined me in studio today and she lo- she <laughs> loves sour so she liked it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is like, like I said it's one, probably one of the more sour beers I've had from them, but at the same time it's still not abrasive. It's no. it's approachable. And it,
1: it's 8% too. And this, to me, it, this it, it, is
3: less tart than the um than the Haviken. More acidic though.
1: Mm, I don't know. I'm not I'm not really picking it up, but No, no it, it is a little more acidic, but not not in an off-putting way like cuz it's still It still falls, like, on the back end, as you let it linger, you kind of get that acidity, you feel it. But it's nowhere near like some of those like Frambois or the, oh, no. the creeks that you get that are like the acidity is just, it kills the acidity you. Acidity will give you heartburn. Yeah, yeah. This is like digestible. Yeah. This has that, this has this, like the right amount. Like there is more uh, acid in it than the other ones we've had, but it's nowhere near anything of, of some of the, when we say that, like it's, it's tough because if it's one of those beers, like unless you have it, it's really hard to describe the, the balance of everything. And this is like he spoke to in the interview, he actually said, um,
2: I forget it would how he phrased it, but I'm going to say the same, essentially the same thing. And it's a good thing, not a bad thing. There's some kind of like old book in the middle of this one somewhere, like an old kind of oxidized, papery thing, right in the middle. That's like a funky, musty, basementy thing
1: going on. That I that I love that. I love that. In it beer, it, does, so. it tastes like it has this really wonderful age to it. Yeah, like that's how it comes. even even the mouthfeel on it tastes like a really well aged beer.
4: Well think- tanned leather. <laughs>
3: I think with with time, I'd, I'd like to see if that kind of flavor. Really yeah, where it goes. Yeah,
2: and it's one of those. And it's 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 also. Well, we've spoken to it before on the radio. Is that when is the last time you saw a brewery that literally all they cared about was showcasing yeast? You know what I mean? Really, the malt and the hops are there just as a platform yeah. to make things work. Yes, there's frizzle. You no, know, I would ball. say
4: maybe Logston was close, but even them, their, their ingredients are still pulled off the, yeah, the farm, you know. Yeah, but the,
2: and, and I really enjoy Logston's beers, but the, the, the variation of what we're getting today is much, much greater in style, you know what I mean, than what Logston produced. A lot of breweries, what they do when they make wild beers, They'll actually make a base. Like um, we had, uh, what was it? Rare Barrel on. They pretty much. They said they only make what is it? One, or two, or three different beers, and then a variant off of those two or three different beers. Yeah, you could tell these are all individual beers that yeah. are made from a base that never existed before because they're so different.
1: And speaking of different, we're, we're getting into our last one now. Uh, now this was one that was brewery exclusive. This is their elderberry fig. Now that's all I know about it as far as uh, style or, or base or anything like that. There, there's no. I don't even know what the ABV is. Th- it, this, this kind of seems similar to the other ones. It's tough to gauge theirs because all the beers that they've had that, that we've had so far, the ABVs it almost doesn't line up with what you're drinking. Because no. it's, I mean, it's kind of tough to, to gauge. This one has a little bit more of a full mouth feel. Uh, it's, it's kind of similar to the last beer in mouthfeel but, but it's, it's. It's really interesting There's there's a lot You're getting that It's like
2: It's new figginess A lot of times mm-hmm. When you get Like fruit figginess When you get a lot of fig In beers It's like age Like dated Like robust dark fruits This is like fresh Yeah Like, you know, almost like it's it's not like a
1: fig, like in like a a Belgian double or anything like that, where you get Uh. those like from the yeast in the background. Like, this is fig. Yeah. Yeah. It it doesn't taste like that kind of red fruit kind of mask over it. Like, this is definitely fig.
2: Now, outside of, you know, your random, you know, uh, joke references to elderberries, (laughs) I actually don't know what elderberries are. I've never actually eaten one in my life, so I couldn't tell you what they taste like. Are Are they white?
1: Like or, or am I thinking of something? I I don't even know. Yeah. I, I have no. I idea. just know
2: that you know English jokes about elderberries. Oh, yes, uh, that's the only the reference Python, I have. Yeah, 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 yeah The old,
1: the old Monty Python. What <laughs> yeah. else do you need to know about them?
2: <laughs> they're old and they're Monty Python. <laughs> you need to know. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 such a fun brewery. Like if anybody gets down in the Pittsburgh way, it's it's easy to get to. There's a bunch of breweries in the actual area that are really nice. And it's a, it's a, bur, uh, a growing craft beer community uh, community down there.
3: Elderberries kind of look like almost a cross between like grapes and blueberries. Here, I'll pass my phone over to you.
1: Oh, okay. I,
4: I, you know, it's funny when he was talking about the, his relationship with the city of Pittsburgh, and I could definitely see maybe I don't know a little bit of pushback, you know, with all the ice, you know, Iron City drinkers well, and. It,
5: it's not <laughs> so know. much
2: that, not to speak to anything he said, but just from being there and experiencing myself, it's just like a lot of other places where it's like, there's some really nice breweries down there, but they're they're atypical, hop-driven whatever, so you have this, you know, guy who, you know, walks into your bar and starts saying words that I can't understand <laughs> and then makes these beers that they probably don't
3: understand, yeah. you know
2: what I mean? And you're just like, who's this guy? Do you know what I mean? What, I think what?
3: another kind of kind of factor to get Like that would make it harder for people to get into these styles of beers. Each one, you could have Havoc in, I'm I'm only using that one because I'm looking at it. Uh, You could have that three different times, three different runnings of it, and it could be slightly different each time. You know, the same IPA we were at um, Rushing Duck yesterday, for example, divided by zero. Essentially, even if they use different hops, it's pretty much the same beer over and over and over again. You know, if they're using the same yeast, same malt, just putting different hops into it. If you're using th- even the same yeast strain could act differently yeah.
2: for each Yeah, beer, it matures you know? and grows with time and yeah. becomes different. Yeah. So the same thing with just aging the beer in general. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And just a fun place. Great town. And you can get it locally now. That's what I mean. That's the cool thing. Yeah, they actually, definitely. you've actually only been, you've been able to get dry lag for a while. Just no one ever actually bought it. But now, <laughs> yeah, that's the funny part. But now that it's actually, change. No, no, it'll yeah. change. Oh, yeah. And then, um, and then uh, they're growing. Like I said, they signed a deal with Shelton Brothers. They get pretty good distribution here. I've seen them, you know, from down here up to Wegmans in Dixon City, and yeah. they're starting to pop on shelves and stuff like that. Yeah. So it definitely, and it's picks great. Them and, up. and
1: if you're a fan of sour beers, it's definitely. And it's, it's such a weird thing too, even to hear him speak of that because you know, like when we had Jolly Pumpkin on, whatever long ago that was, and he was talking about when they first started the issues with sour beers. But it was a totally different market than it is now. But it's funny to still hear like. That still goes on. People are still not familiar with it. I think it's because a lot of times we're in this little craft beer bubble where it's like, yeah, sour beers. All right. I know what that is. And you don't even think about it. But other people, it's still not something that's on their radar. It's not everywhere. I think it's like almost like the way IPAs were. Yeah, You know, you you had IPAs
3: coming out and people were like, oh, I don't really like those. But now, or it's, I don't even know what that is. You know, now it's everybody's heard of an IPA, every brewery has an IPA, yeah. and
1: now it's sour beers. It's definitely been the darling that people have been saying is up and coming, yeah. and, and it definitely is. It's, it's picking up steam, but it still has a ways to go because of that vague term sour beer or wild ale. There's so much open to personal interpretation for what that yeah. is because as I said before, like some people when they hear sour, they might think, oh, like a Sour Patch Kid, mm-hmm. or and then someone else might think like a Warhead. I don't like that. So it really is dependent upon how you view that term yeah,
2: and it, pretty much speaking of what joe said is is, is, is the ipas are the same pretty much because it used to be like okay you, know, you had you your close-knit ipas you're east and west and whatever now there's you're gonna have an yeah, ipa yeah. that tastes so different
1: from each other there two mm-hmm. totally different styles of beer oh it's it's completely changing it's gonna keep changing with this too as this keeps taking off all right so another great show great interview a lot of info uh next week as it stands right now don't know what's going to happen, so don't, don't hold me to this because sometimes stuff just whatever. We'll find out <laughs> what happens. But next week, what we have scheduled right now is Lost Abbey. going hear me talking to Tommy Arthur. Uh, great brewery with a really rich history and a lot going on. So hopefully everything pans out. but uh, You never know. Yeah. Don't but just say fair. it that way. If not, yeah. then it's a surprise. Yeah, <laughs> they they <laughs> could can,
2: can have a week-long hangover from CBC. Who knows? Yeah. You, know, so, you don't know
1: what's going on. But yeah, whatever. However, we go. uh, That's what's going to be going on next week. So uh, we'll catch you next week, then, everybody. There it is. Cheers.
4: Cheers. (laughs) Cheers.